Happy Pool First Podcast is a show presented by people with loads of abilities, authors, and community. We take about issues that are important to us and interview interesting guests to found out new information. There is a way to make a difference. Hello and welcome to People First Podcast. Today we will be talking to David who is a speech and language therapist who worked with adults with learning disabilities. We are going to talk to him about what he does and why it's important. Hi David. Thank you for joining today. Hello. You're welcome. It's lovely to be here. Could you explain your role as a speak and language therapist? Yeah, of course. I always think the term speech and language therapist is a bit of a confusing term because it implies that... um, all we do is help with people's talking. Um, but actually, there's there's a lot more to, to the job than that. Um, we have two main parts of our job. Um, we have the communication side. Um, so rather than just looking at speech and language, we look at communication as a whole. So we really look at um, how the person we're working with um, likes to communicate. So that might be with gesture, with signs, facial expression it might be touch um and we look at the best way for that person to communicate and then we might advise the people around them on how to support that and how to make their environment a a better and an easier place for them to communicate in so that's sort of one part of our role and it might be that we work with psychologists and nursing um to help them to do the work that they're doing um And the other part of our role, which less people know about, um, we work with um, people who have swallowing difficulties. So we might um, look at somebody having a a meal um, and advise how they can change that meal and make it easier for them to eat um, and advise them on foods that might not be safe to eat. How did you first started working as a speak and language therapist? Did you have to study yeah I had to do um a a master's course which was two years um and it's a mixture of um theory so I'd go into lectures and I would learn about um why we do what we do and about the research and then we would have placements where we would go into hospitals and clinics and schools um and we'd kind of learn to to practice the job in in real life um i did the master's course because i already had a degree in linguistics which is about the study of language so um there were a lot of things that i kind of already uh, could bring into speech and language therapy from that um, that somebody who wanted to start um, from the beginning could do an undergraduate degree, which is usually three or four years, um, which you can go straight into. Um, 
and I believe they're now trialing apprenticeships to become a speech and language therapist. Um, and I think it depends on what part of the country you're in, but it's something that we're trialing at the moment um, and might be rolled out across the country in a few years. Um, and I think that would be really good to help um, other people access uh, becoming a speech therapist. Like, like someone needs a speech and language therapist um, there are lots of reasons why somebody might need a speech and language therapist. Um, if it's for eating and drinking, it might be that they're um, having trouble with their food or their drink um, and need some advice around that. Um, or if it's for communication, um, it could be for a number of reasons. It might be that um, that person needs something or wants something um, and is unable to express that to the people around them and so we might go in to, um, to help to understand what that is so that the person can get what they need. Um, we might go in and we might help to create visual timetables or visual planners uh, which help make a person's daily routine more predictable and therefore sort of easier to understand. Um, or um, if somebody that I work with, like a psychologist, wants to go in and do some work with somebody, I might go in and assess that person's understanding so that the psychologist knows that everything that they're talking about and the work that they're trying to do, um, they're doing it at a level where the person they're working with can understand that and so that they can get the most out of that therapy. So it, it might be a, more of a supportive role. If you need... The uh, speak and language therapies, how would you find one? Uh, that's a good question. So um, I work as part of um, the community learning disability health team in my area. Um, so people refer into the whole team um, and then we look at the referrals and we decide if we think that person will need speech and language therapy input or it might be nursing or occupational therapy so we look at those referrals and make a decision based on the information in the referral um, but if, it, if you thought that you've, you needed a speech and language therapist you could speak to your GP um, and they would be able to tell you the best way to, um, to refer in depending on where you live. Why is it important that we support people with the communication. So for me, communication is one of the most important things in our lives. Um, it allows us to do um, so much in our lives. It allows us to enjoy moments with other people. It allows us to let other people know what we want, what we need, what we like, what we don't like. Um, and it comes in all different forms. But for me, everybody has a right to be able to communicate and to have um, the people around them understand what they're trying to communicate and how they're trying to communicate. Um, and so I think the work that we as therapists do is is really important because it gives people the tools um, to be able to express what they need, express what they want um, and um, hopefully improve their lives because um, it can be really frustrating um, if you're not able to tell somebody um, what's on your mind, no matter how small or how large that thing is. Um, the relief um, that it gives people when they're able to express that um, is really important. And that for me is is um, 
is why I love doing the job and why I, I want to be able to support people to you know what talking mats are? I do, yeah. Talking mats, I think, are brilliant. Um, so I, I think, did you say you've used them before? I did when I was still, I was, because I had problems with things, so I know what they could show me how to do them by yeah. looking at them. And... So when I've used them before, we have, um, it might be a mat in front of somebody that might, on one side has I really like and one side I really don't like or something like that and then um, if I was doing it with you I might give you pictures um, that you could then sort into the um, into which side uh, you thought it fitted um, so that allows you without having to say anything um, to be able to show me and to show the other people in the room um, what you like and what you don't like and then we could have a photograph of that and stick it on the wall so that anybody who comes in uh, will know um, and we can do that with lots of different things and if somebody is having difficulty using pictures we could use real objects and we could sort them into um, different baskets um, if doing it as a physical mat um, was going to be difficult so there's lots of ways of doing it but that's just one of the tools that we can use to to help people communicate. How do you let speech and language sessions what do they look like and can they also be done online uh yeah good question um if i was going in and meeting somebody for the first time um it would probably be very informal. So I might either go to their home or I might go and see them in day service. Or sometimes I've been out and met somebody on a walk, like in a park. Um, and I might just get to know them a bit, observe them um, and kind of go from there. If I needed to, I might do a bit of assessment. So that might involve looking at some pictures and asking you some questions about them. If it was about eating and drinking, we'd probably come and I'd come and meet you over a meal time and I'd watch you having a meal and we'd talk about whether you found it difficult or easy and how we could make that easier for you. Um, but really, it very much depends on the person that I'm, I would be going to see. Um, we try very much to kind of lead and to find out as much about that person and how they want to communicate and how what the best way for them to communicate is. Um, so sessions can look look very different. We do do some sessions online and that can work for different people. I really like going to meet somebody in person because you can get a feel for their whole life um, and seeing you know where they live, um, the people that, that they have in their life and the things that they like to have around them. Um, so it is nice to be able to go back in and, and see people face to face. Do you use a pictures to tools or exercise to help the people you work with uh, we have lots of things that we um that we do use um so we talked about talking mats and that's one that we we use a lot um we use lots of other sorts of visuals um so we might do picture timetables um to help with routine we might use um might make information about, um, for example, a dentist appointment. We might make that um, easier to read with pictures and by 
um, arranging the information on the page differently. Um, we also use signing, so we might use Makaton, um, which um, is another tool that we use to kind of communicate with people. Um, but in terms of exercises, um, it would very much depend on the person. And a lot of what we do is trying to um, make the environment um, a better place for communicating rather than um, giving you lots of things or giving the person that we're working with lots to work on. How do you communicate with someone who is deaf in order to help them in their speech? And so for someone who um, was deaf or hard of hearing, we might use signing. Um, if that was something that the person was able to do. Um, and so we might work with their families or the people who support them to to teach them the important signs um, and to give them um, sort of tips on how to how to use those uh, the most effectively. Um, for somebody who had a multisensory impairment, so somebody maybe who's deaf and blind, um, there's um, body signing that um that can be done and that's not something that i'm able to do um but there are lots of people who are very very skilled in that um and that is, is a different way of communicating um, we can also use objects so in the same way that um if i want to leave the house and my partner's taking a long time getting ready and we're going to be late i might shake my keys at him um we can use objects to represent what's going to happen. And so we might communicate to somebody by showing them an object so that they know what's about to happen. So we might show them um, a particular fork so that they know that they're going to have a meal time or something like that. Um, so there are lots of different um, ways of communicating if speech isn't an option for somebody. Um, we also do something called intensive interaction, which is one of my favorite um, interventions and something that I'm um, learning to do at the moment um, and that's about really um, getting down on a person's level and um, reading every little sign and every um, every attempt to communicate that they make so that might be sounds it might be facial expressions it might be little movements um, and um, creating a back and forth creating a conversation using what that person um is already doing um and that's something that i love to do um so there's all sorts of ways that we can communicate um with people what are your hopes for the future of your role and what you want to achieve um so at the moment i'm really happy where I am. Um, this is a fairly new job for me. I've been a speech and language therapist for two, uh, for about a year and a half now. Um, so it's still a relatively new career. Um, and my first job was in um, a children's therapy clinic. And I think because speech and language therapy is so wide, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited just to, to learn more, to be able to work with more people and to gain my skills. I think in the long term, I'd like to work towards educating and training the next generation of speech and language therapists. So that might be working with a university or with an apprenticeship program um, so that um, I can be involved in kind of um, shaping the future of, of the profession, um, which is, is, is something that I'd be interested in. But I think that's a few years off for me yet. <laughs> What is your favourite part of being a speech and language therapist? 
I think my favourite thing is that no two days are the same um, because everyone that we works with is different. So um, the um, you know, the way that we can help them is going to be different. And so you're always learning. Um, there's always opportunity to work with um, with other professions. Um, and it's just endlessly fascinating. And I think it's so rewarding as well um, when you see the difference that it's making in somebody's life and you can really build up a relationship with the people that you're working with. Um, it's just a really fascinating career. That is all we have time for today on the show. We'd just like to say thank you to David again for coming on the show and talking to us. We are really happy to be able to learn more about speak and language therapies and share that with your community and listeners. Do you have anything else like to add before we sign off? No, I don't think so. Just thank you so much for having me. It's great to be able to talk about what speech and language therapists do um, because I think it is a hard one for people to um, get their heads around how we can support. And so to be able to talk about that um, is fab. And I think it's wonderful what you're doing with the podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Remember to like, share and follow the show on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. You can find us by searching for the People First podcast. Thanks for listening.